Welcome to the Veterans Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mel. This is a space for veterans, active duty, guard and reserves, family members, and anyone thinking of joining the military. We give you resources on transition, VA, housing, behavioral health, and much more. Now, let's get started. All right. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Mel. Um, Welcome to the first episode of Veterans Lifestyle Podcast. Um, I first like to say I hope that everyone had a Merry Christmas, enjoyed their holidays. Um, They were safe and we all made it here to 2023 together. Um, The first thing I wanted to talk about in this first episode is I wanted to give a reason why I started this podcast. Um, Because initially I was going to do this as a YouTube channel. And this, it may be something that I venture into in the future, maybe. But for now, I kind of wanted to do this just as a podcast, uh, because I know most of us are busy and we have more time to listen to things on the go than we do to sit in front of a TV or, you know, the computer or your phone to watch YouTube. So I just figure I'd start out with a podcast because uh, I know I do most of my uh, daily life, I have time to actually sit and listen to podcasts while I'm doing things. So um, initially, it started out when I re- first retired from the U.S. Army. Um, I was working as a government contractor on an installation. And, you know, I would still deal with soldiers. They came in as customers with what I was doing. Um, and a lot of them would still ask me uh, questions about things, advice. And then even some of my old soldiers would still hit me up from time to time and ask me, advice on things to do when they were getting out or, you know, guys that I've known that are already out were hitting me up for things. And, you know, one of my coworkers one day just kind of joking around said, you know what, you should start your own YouTube channel with this. And I was just like laughing like, yeah, maybe I will someday. And uh, I figured, you know what, I think starting a podcast would be just as well. And I kicked the idea around for a few years that I was initially going to do this. And I figured, you know what, why not, you know, finally pull the trigger. Um, I got everything and I've been getting everything, you know, as far as equipment and blocking off time to actually, you know, record some episodes. And I've kind of been, you know, BSing around, procrastinating. And I figured, you know what, new year, you know, stop waiting around and actually do it. So I did a little introduction to the podcast a few months back, and now I'm finally here to actually do a real episode. So a little bit about my background is I'm retired from the U.S. Army, um, and I've been stationed all over the continental United States and overseas from Fort Carson, Colorado to Fort Lewis, Washington, Fort Hood, Fort Bliss, uh, Schofield Barracks, and Fort Shafter, Hawaii. I mean, I've been to Korea overseas. I've done combat tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. So uh, I feel like uh, this is a place where I can actually use uh, my background, my experience, you know, to be a voice and to provide some resources for uh, veterans uh, or, you know, anyone that's still active duty or even considering joining. Uh, So um, I figured... There were a lot of things that, you know, I didn't know. And there's still things that I'm learning in this process. Uh, I've been out uh, five years now, uh, going on six. And there's lots of things that, you know, I wish I knew, especially when I was getting out. 
uh, you really are never prepared. And you can have someone tell you and give you, you know, all kinds of ideas and things when you're getting out, but you never really kind of know what you're doing until you actually do it yourself. So the first thing I can tell people uh, is throughout your career, any bumps, bruises, illness, whatever you have, don't be a hero. Go see your medics. Get everything documented. Um, I, I cannot stress that enough. Anything that you experience, I mean, you stub your toe uh, while you're in the field or while you're deployed, go see your medics, get it documented. Uh, it's really hard to convince the VA of something that was service-connected if you just kind of ignored it, you know, during your time. So it's like, you know, go. Uh, there are lots of things that I had wished that, you know, I had went to get documented, but, you know, that's something that I can make sure that the next generation or someone that comes after me can learn from, you know, those mistakes. So go, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, you going, you know, everyone's like, yeah, I don't, they're just going to give me a two week profile and some ibuprofen, but you know what, at least you have it documented. Uh, and I know we'd all rather just, you know, get whatever's wrong with us fixed, but we know that's not always what happens. Uh, but, and I'm not going to, say that I didn't get, you know, good medical care, because I got good medical care. Um, you know, I can't speak enough about Evans Army Community Hospital at Fort Carson. They did an amazing job with me. Uh, Darnell at Fort Hood was another uh, good hospital uh, that I dealt with. Uh, William Beaumont at Fort Bliss um, was a good hospital. And Madigan up at Fort Lewis was an amazing hospital, so... Um, I can't you know, necessarily trash the military healthcare system because I've had some good experiences. I mean, there have been some bad ones, but you get those in the civilian world also. Um, the next thing is TAP, the Transition Assistance Program. Make sure you use it. Uh, use it to try to get as many uh, different resources out of it that you possibly can. Um, the And I started a year out. I mean, as a retiree, uh, and I know, you know, it's not always feasible for soldiers. And I always try to make sure I let my soldiers go, go to tap. Uh, you need to be prepared because what I'm going to get out of you for the last however many months you have left is nothing compared to you being prepared for the rest of your life. So, uh, like, go to tap. And there's a lot of things I learned when I was in tap. Uh, being out of the civilian world for so long, it's like okay, what am I going to do, you know? <laughs> and it's like, okay, what resources are out there? You know, because I joined in the mid to late 90s, and the Internet was just being a thing, but, you know, social media was still uh, not there or not like what it is right now. So, you know, there's, you know, things like LinkedIn and Indeed, you know. I didn't know about those things before I was in the process of getting out. So learning how to do those things and then learning how to transfer all that military jargon that we use in, into civilian language is is a task. And it takes time. And, it, you know, your first few resumes that you try to write are going to be difficult. Um, one thing I can say is make sure you 
find someone to help you write that resume, whether it's someone in tap. Um, if you know someone uh, like a retiree uh, that's nearby, if you're, you know, in uh, that you've worked with or even, you know, an officer in your unit that may have a background in English, uh, those are good resources to use uh, to help you with a resume because a resume is going to be a lifesaver. One thing that I thought it was going to be easy to get a job as soon as I retired, I figured everybody's going to be like, oh, you know, he's a vet. He's got a degree. He's got all this experience. Um, you know, it'll be an easy, easy job. But <laughs> was I wrong? It took me quite a while to find a job. And the first job that I got was in the contracting world, which you know, it wasn't ideally what I wanted to do, uh, but it was what I needed at the time. And it was a good bridge to get me into what I ultimately wanted to do, which was education. And um, I'm, you know, happy that things worked out the way that they did. But, you know, I would like to make sure that those of you that are in that same boat now that I was in a few years back, you know, kind of know what you're getting yourselves into. Um, and what's out there that can help you. And like I said, uh, LinkedIn, Indeed, I mean, even using, you know, Facebook and Instagram are good resources uh, to use because it's all about building relationships. And the first person I would tell you to start building relationships with are former service members. Uh, fellow vets are probably the greatest resources that we have as vets uh, to get yourself you know, known, get yourself out there because all you know is mostly who you've been stationed with. Um, and the first thing that I did was I made sure I signed up for every job fair, whether it was in my local area or if it was somewhere that I considered moving to, I went to drop job fairs there. And the, we have the luxury of, uh, especially since the pandemic is virtual job fairs. Um, it's not as good as being somewhere where you can actually shake hands and give a good elevator speech, but it's still something that you can network with. And uh, another big resource for me was interviews that I went on that I actually did not get the job. I've actually had a few recruiters or supervisors in those various places that uh, gave me their cards and asked and actually, you know, set me up with jobs and, you know, other fields that I may have applied an interview for, you know, the only downfall with a few of them, uh, like I said, with the state of Texas, they were asking me if I was be willing to relo relocate at the time. And uh, at that time, I had just bought a house, so relocating wasn't an option for me. But, you know, and they also offered that, you know, hey, you can use me as a reference um, when you apply somewhere else or if you decide in the future to apply for something else, hey, here's my contact information. Let me know ahead of time. So don't always take that. I didn't get the job as a negative because there are also some positives that come out of that. Um, and I can honestly say that through my process of my job hunt when I first got out, the very, you know, first thing I thought of was like all these different types of interviews that you can get set up on. And I was like, well, you know, most of my interviews are going to be, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, maybe a committee of two or three people. 
And yes, I've had all those and the most, and I was never nervous for any of those interviews. I was only nervous for one. I actually had a dinner interview and I was actually nervous because I was not expecting it. That was my third interview in the process. Um, and that was with um, an insurance company to be a corporate trainer. And the only, you know, downfall to that was, you know, where I was living in Texas, uh, they were based out of Philadelphia. So I would have to work two hours ahead, you know, but that wasn't an issue. But uh, just, you know, things just didn't materialize. And when they finally came through, I had already accepted a position somewhere else. Uh, but that's also something that I could always revisit in the future. Um, and the good thing is it was working virtually, which this was maybe a year or two before the pandemic even hit. Um, and that was something that I wouldn't mind, which would give me flexibility to do more things like uh, working on the podcast a little more. Uh, so uh, interviews is, you know, not just a good place to, you know, find jobs, but it's also a good networking tool. Um, use this to network and networking, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much more I can stress how good, how good of a, how much networking is needed. I'll just put it that way. You need to network. Uh, job fairs, whether it was a company that I thought that had anything to do with the skills I wanted, I still gave him my resume and I still gave him an elevator pitch and I still uh, spoke with him. I got business cards, um, got LinkedIn with those uh, corporate uh, recruiters and you know, some of them have, I've gotten some blind uh, job opportunities out of that. Um, I can tell you a story about um, Dynacore a few years back before they went through that transition of someone else buying them out. I'm not sure how that, the exact story in that, but uh, this was an, indeed, I just thought it was a fraud and I kind of returned the call. And I kind of spoke with him and then I was like, okay, you know, like, let me have your information so I can look you up. So I looked, looked everything up and it was, you know, legit, it was Dynacore and, you know, going through everything. So I was like, okay, well, um, I am interested. So I went through the process. Um, I did a few interviews and I got an offer letter. I got offered the job. So I did all the hiring process things on. Uh, and then it was just the waiting game for the contract to be approved for me to actually start that position. And this is when I was still working another contracting job. But this one paid double than what I was already doing. So I was like, okay, yes. And somehow the contract did not get approved. But in the process, they asked me if I was interested in going anywhere else in the world, whatever position. And they were like, no interview needed. You know, you have already impressed us enough. So um, that was another a uh, resource that I actually found. Um, and, you know, a part of me was thinking, you know, I could have just maybe taken an overseas position. But in the end, I think I made the right choice of, okay, that's always in my back pocket in case I really need to use that later. Um, so, you know, and the first thing that was the one a story I'll share is the first time I introduced myself 
in a job fair. It was, uh, I went to a job care fair at a career summit, I can say, on uh, McCord Air Force Base in Washington. Uh, and it's like I felt very awkward, not just necessarily giving my elevator pitch, but for so many years, I was just my last name, my last name, my last name. Using my first name again was very awkward to me. And even now, because uh, you figure I spent pretty much all of my adult life just using my last name. And I was an athlete in high school and college before. So it was a lot of last name there also. But going in now and using my first name, uh, it's still a little bit of a challenge with me. Uh, but I'm getting used to it. And it was that that first one, you know, I was even like about to introduce myself with my rank. <laughs> so... Um, I would say, you know, it's one of those things, practice with your friends, uh, using your first name again, because uh, you, you know, uh, you know, I hate to say you militarize, demilitarize yourself, but you have to, to a point to work in the civilian world. Uh, and, you know, little things like, you know, it's okay to grow your hair out a little bit now, or... If you want to grow a beard, grow a beard, you know, just make sure everything, you keep a neat appearance when it's time for you to go to your interview. Um, you know, do those things. Give yourself some time to, you know, adjust to the civilian life. Uh, that's, you know, where I see a lot of, you know, people struggle. Um, and even some of my friends and former uh, soldiers that work for me that, you know, I've talked to, that was probably the biggest thing that we've all agreed on is just readjusting yourself back to being a civilian. And especially for a lot of us, the longer you've been doing it, the harder it is to transition into that. Uh, so, you know, those are things that, you know, I, I want to share. Like I said, the earlier you start, the better, because, uh, I started a year out, and I still don't think that was enough time. Um, it's just one of those, like, that last year, you know, you feel like you have a lot of time, but in reality, you don't. And then when it got to about six months, it was like that six months went in no time. And next thing you know, it was like, wow, I'm not just a civilian. I'm, I'm completely off terminal leave or transition leave, whatever you want to call it. I am... 100% civilian, you know, outside of being a retiree. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do? <laughs> because as much as I thought I was ready for it, you know, there were things that uh, I wish I would do uh, differently if I went back. And like I said, that was more of a transitioning into the more on the civilian side and also working a lot earlier on the job market uh, because for the most part, a lot of our, our soft skills will transition over. Um, and there's things that you don't have to be an expert at to, uh, you know, like being punctual, uh, being a team player, um, being able to follow directions. Those are things that we already have uh, as vets. Those are things that we did and we did proudly. So uh, those are things you shouldn't have to worry about. Uh, but before I go, I just want to end with, you know, 
help out our fellow service members. Um, we just went through the holidays, and the hardest thing there is to see is uh, homelessness and vets. So reach out to your fellow service members. Uh, I know I got a call from a former soldier from 15 years ago, you know, about if we heard from uh, one of our soldiers that we had. And it took us a while, but we finally located him. He was going through a difficult time through the holidays. So make sure we still check on each other. We should always still have each other six. And especially this time of year with the holidays going on, we should always be looking out for somebody. So until the next episode, I will talk to you all later. Thank you for listening to Veterans Lifestyle Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow up, subscribe on Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you listen so you can stay up to date on new episodes. Until next time.